Chapter One of Prodigal Daughters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. Chapter One The Colonel Returns. It was early in the summer that a tall, lean, bronzed-looking man found his way up the gangway from Boulogne Pier to the cross-channel steamer. Even had he been in civilian attire, he would not have been taken for anything but a soldier, a soldier of the best order. There was something in the way he walked, something, too, in the light of his thoughtful grey eyes, which suggested not only order and precision, but association with danger. This man's face seemed to speak of tense movements when the life of thousands depended on rapid, far-seeing judgments. He might have been from forty to fifty years of age, and it was evident that in spite of his quiet demeanour he was much excited. He spoke no word, but it was easy to see that he was impatient at the boat's delay in starting, and when at length it passed into the open channel, he kept his eyes fixed towards the English shore as though longing for the first sight of the land of his birth. Ah, there it is! The words escaped him involuntarily, and as he spoke there was a look in his eyes which spoke of a great longing. There was wonder in them, too, as though the shores of England, now dimly visible, aroused thoughts too deep for words. Presently his lips quivered, and his eyes became slightly dimmed. "'Nearly six years,' he murmured. "'Even Alice will be changed, while the children will have grown almost beyond recognition.' If ever a man looked eagerly forward to his return home, it was Lester Trelawney. He had been away from home for six years. Even before the outbreak of the war, his regiment having been sent to Egypt, he had to bid good-bye to his wife and children almost without warning or time for preparation. From the time he landed at Alexandria, his life had been one continual excitement. Owing to a strange series of happenings, he had, before he had time to settle down in Egypt, been ordered to India, where he found himself in a centre of unrest and danger. For nearly two years he practically lived from hour to hour, events of which the british public knew nothing happened thick and fast and as he proved himself not only a brave soldier but a man of more than ordinary intelligence he was entrusted with work which was not only vitally important but terribly exacting at the end of his work in india he was sent to mesopotamia 
where after a good deal of strenuous work he had been taken prisoner here in a foul-smelling den he had been taken ill and practically gave up all hope of ever seeing his home again a sound constitution and a dogged determination not to be beaten however carried him through not only did he get well but he managed to escape from his jailers added to this he was able to pick up information of such value that when at length he was enabled to rejoin the army he became especially marked out for intelligence work this led to his being sent on various missions which although engrossing beyond words kept him from returning home for months together lester trelawney was away from civilization this led on more than one occasion to his wife and family giving him up for dead even when at length the armistice was signed he was still kept in the east through the years he had gained such experience and his work had become so exacting that no one else could be entrusted with it trelawney is that you he turned and saw a man who had just emerged from a cabin why yes it's wickham i am glad to see you not more glad than i am to see you heaven only knows how much good honest sorrow i've wasted over you you've been given up for dead twice of course something of the truth has come out about you if i had had the slightest idea you were aboard i wouldn't have stayed in that stuffy cabin let's see you've not been home since fourteen have you no beastly shame i call it still you've brought it on yourself if you will make yourself indispensable you have to pay the price for it but you are all sorts of a big gun now i can tell you hardly only a colonel but you'll be more than that a brigadier for certain the other shook his head i'm not troubling about that sort of thing he replied my one thought is to see my wife and children of course of course by jove you'll be a bit excited although you look as cool as a cucumber why it's nearly six years since you left yes six years and there was a far-away look in his eyes i saw your wife a few weeks ago did you trelawney looked questioningly at the other yes she looked hardly a day older the change will not be in her it will be in the children how many have you four two boys and two girls the youngest peggy was barely eleven when i left the eldest trevor was just over seventeen when the war broke out and now he's twenty-three by jove you will find a change there we're slowing down we shall be in the harbour in another three minutes we'll go up to london together eh i can't promise replied trelawney i sent word to my wife that i was coming by this boat she may be here to meet me oh yes of course well the best of luck i expect i shall be seeing you often now you are back again 
a few minutes later the boat had entered the harbour and colonel trelawney was looking eagerly towards the pier as if in expectation of seeing someone he knew presently his eyes lit up with a look of gladness there she is he said aloud and then turned to his man and gave him instructions about his luggage lester trelawney was utterly unconscious of the crowd of onlookers as he passed along the gangway he had seen a face which made him forget not only the past years of peril and excitement but all his surroundings alice my darling it is good of you to come he murmured as he held a little woman in his arms and kissed her many times there don't cry little wife i'm back safe and sound i can't help it she sobbed i'm so so oh thank god you've come she was a small-featured but pretty woman in spite of the fact that she was past forty there was scarcely a line on her face and not a single grey hair among her golden locks she seemed almost pathetically little and fragile as she looked into her husband's face and one could easily imagine that the lonely soldier had had many anxious hours at the thought that this clinging woman was alone with the cares of a family weighing on her but that was all forgotten now the war was over the years of terror had passed and he was home again oh lester i'm so proud so thankful so happy you are sure you are all right sure alice he laughed there i'll try and find an empty carriage i bribed the conductor to reserve one for us and a blush surmounted her cheek as she spoke i thought i, I thought yes i know what you thought interrupted trelawney joyfully alice this hour almost repays one for all the years we've been separated there are thousands of questions i want to ask you and heaps of things you'll have to tell me the children are all right i hope he asked the question in a matter-of-fact way but it was easy to see how much it meant to him yes they are all right of course trevor isn't at home but the girls are both all right you'll hardly know them those photographs i sent you hardly gave you an idea what they are like eleanor is a head taller than i she's twenty-one you know while peg as you always called her has her hair up fancy my little peg with her hair up trelawney sighed as he spoke then she'll be quite grown up yes quite she's a lot older than her age oh i am glad you are home again i don't think i could have gone on much longer without you nothing wrong i hope oh no nothing at all but oh i have wanted you they were alone in the compartment at length and again colonel trelawney took his wife in his arms and held her close to him evidently the years had not cooled his ardour nor had his affection for his wife lessened nevertheless there was a tone in her voice that made him anxious especially when he asked her about the children 
as he looked at his wife again moreover something struck him which had not troubled him before she seemed to him to lack decision and steadiness of purpose she was a loving gentle little creature but she was weak and lacking in that power of command which had been of such value to him during the last fateful years of his life ah well i hope i am home for good now he replied gently oh my little wife you have not wanted me half as badly as i have wanted you she nestled up closely to him like a tired child nestles to its mother and sighed contentedly i never wanted you so much as during the last two years she said you see the children seem to grow up suddenly and but oh john has been such a comfort to me john yes i know you used to think him dull and a little bit sullen but he isn't at all he's rather quiet still and reserved but he's as steady as old times and so thoughtful do you know i've had to consult him about everything especially since he left school as soon as he knew the state of my finances he wouldn't hear of going to oxford you see trevor's pay hardly covers his expenses boys in the army have to keep up appearances you know then what's john doing i fully intended him to go to oxford perhaps i ought to have told you but the boy wouldn't let me he said it would bother you as i told you trevor being in an expensive regiment had to come to me for help so john insisted on helping me insisted on helping you how the father of his principal chum at rugby is in the motor business and john who as you know always had a passion for engineering went to him and asked him for work he's been there a year now and is doing splendidly mr davenport gives him a salary and is so pleased with him that he has promised him quite a good position in a few months colonel trelawney looked thoughtful he was not a rich man but he had thought that his private income added to the amount he had arranged for her out of his army pay would be ample for all the wants of the family indeed this was one of the things that comforted him when he was far away from civilization and when it seemed doubtful whether he would ever see his family again his house in hampstead was not large but it was his own property and he had never dreamed that his wife would have to face financial difficulties you see everything has become so dear went on mrs trelawney prices are simply awful and although school bills have stopped the girls have had to have more expensive dresses while as i told you trevor has had to be helped of course eleanor earned a good deal eleanor cried the colonel in a tone of questioning surprise yes she got a post under government everybody did it during the war you know but that's over now still it has given the girls all sorts of notions trelawney was silent he was an understanding man and although he spoke no word 
it was easy to see that he read more in his wife's words than she had voiced poor little girl he said at length i'm afraid you've had a difficult time and i have been so wrapped up in my own affairs that i have not realized how you've been placed but never mind i'm home now and together we'll soon have everything straight i'm sure i've tried very hard to do what i thought you would like said mrs trelawney but i never realized how helpless i was until i was left alone end of chapter one